I was thinking about what I needed to share to end this series, I thought about um, what we're actually going through as a family, and that's adversity. So I, I wanted to talk this morning about how to remain in Christ through adversity. And I'm guessing I'm preaching to just myself here because nobody else ever goes through problems or trials or temptations or things like that. But if you'll just walk along with me and uh, amen along with me, here is our verse for the month. Remain in me as I also remain in you. And I, I love the fact that in God, I don't have to worry that he's got me. I don't have to worry that he's going to let me go. My concern is that I remain in him, that I stay close to him. And one of the, the things that I've noticed that would tempt me to draw away from talking and, and relating and walking with God and, and praying and, and, and listening to God is tribulation and problems and difficulty. So here's our Webster's definition of adversity. It's continued difficulty or misfortune. Continued. So we're not just talking about, oh, I, I, I did poorly on my exam or I got a pimple or whatever. We're talking about continued trouble, continued adversity, continued um, problems. So that's what I want to talk. But first, let me set the stage and say that this is what I want to be known for. This is what I want to be seen as. I am confessing this to God and to you that I want to be found at the end of this season of trials, at the end of this season of adversity. I want it to be said of me what Paul said that we as Christians should be, and that is steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I love that this came from the Apostle Paul because he went through all kinds of trials. He went through every, every tribulation and adversity known to man. And yet, he is also the one that said, in him, I remain in Christ and in him I live and I move and I have my actual being in Christ. So he had learned the secret of remaining in Christ. And so I've, I've thought about some, some things in my own life. I've thought about some things that the scriptures say. I'd just like to kind of pull those together for you. And I'd like to start with um, my mother. And sometimes that can be yay, or sometimes that can be oh boy. But it's a good thing because some of you knew my mom. But one of her things, she was the primary disciplinarian in our family. My mom was, uh, my father was gone a lot, he was a pastor. So she was the one that, that taught us right from wrong and what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. And so as we grew, you know, you're in the you know, two, three, four, five. But her phrase was, mind your manners. That was her thing. Mind your manners. And it just didn't mean uh, learn how to say yes, ma'am, and, and yes, sir. And it didn't just mean say please and thank you. Because we were from the South, and those things were were important but she took it further because we encountered different cultures and different ways of people living and so she knew it was important that 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 we would be responsible for us so when she said mind your manners she was saying to us she had taught us that means pay attention to what you do pay attention to what you say so when she was saying when we would go visit people or or be fed strange foods and we're like we don't want to eat that and she's like you're gonna eat that 
those of you that have been on the mission field, you understand what that's like. It's like, you're serving me what? I have to eat what? It was just crawling on my, you got to eat it. So when she would say, mind your manners, and she wasn't beyond pinching us under the table. I felt many a pinch under the table because I wasn't watching my actions and my behavior. But her, her thing was, the overall thread was, I am responsible for what I do and what I say. And to pay attention to what I, how I'm acting because it reflects on Jesus. It wasn't about reflecting poorly on her. It was about reflecting on the one that I say I trust and live. So let's get started. So from that, I'm going to give you three things to pay attention to that we're going to talk about this morning. For when we think about this theory of difficulty, because I'm guessing that most of y'all have not gone through any adversity. I'm thinking that most of y'all have not had any problems. I'm thinking that most of y'all have not had illnesses or had financial difficulties. I'm thinking it's just my family and I. But if you'll just go along with me, I want us to pay attention to three things that I think, I believe, and I know are important. Because the Bible says Jesus asks us to remain in him. How do we remain in him? You know, sometimes you think it's easy to remain in him if, if everything's going good. But I don't think it's easy to remain in him then either. Because I'm just like, I got that, God. I got it. I don't really need you. I don't really need to pray about this because I got it. That's hard too. But he says, remain in me. So pay attention is the first thing to your source. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to all generations. You have established the earth. It stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servant. That is revolutionary to me. That whatever I'm going through, whatever trial, whatever difficulty whatever obstacle, whatever battle, all things are God's servant. And it's easy to go, well, God, why did you allow this? Why did you cause this? But, but he speaks and he helps me to remember he did not cause financial difficulty. He does not cause illness. He doesn't cause broken relationships, but he will make all things serve his purpose. If I say, if I remain connected in the vine, amen. He can use any circumstance, any person, anything to be his servant. And we know that it says in Romans, he causes all things to work to good, to, for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. So the first thing is, know, pay attention to your source. The source for remaining is God. It, um, it's easy to make a person your source. It's easy to make your job, your source. It's easy to make something else your source, but all of those other things have limits. Your spouse, my husband, best husband in the world, I'd marry him again, but he has limits. He can't, he can't, hand, he can't handle all of me. I'm just saying I got things that I'm dealing with and I cannot expect him to be my source. And especially when I'm going through trouble, if I think he's my source, Woe be unto him and woe be unto me because there is nothing that is unlimited except God. Only he has an unlimited amount of peace. Only he can reassure me to the depth of my soul that I need to be reassured. My darling husband can't do that. My best friend can't do that. My bank account can't do that. My source alone can do that. 
And if I forget who the source is, the first thing I'll do is I'll try to, I'll try to get out of the vine. I will, I will leave God behind. I won't think about him. I won't reach out to him. I won't call out to him. If I don't remember, he is my source, the source of life. He says in the Bible, when you go, not if you go, when you go. And this is, please take this individually like, like it's individually to me in this season. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you, sister and brother. When you go through rivers, why couldn't it just be one river? Why couldn't, when you go across a little brook of difficulty, no, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Only he, only he as the source can give you the peace that you need to go through this difficulty, to go through adversity. Now, uh, um, my husband and I were founders of this church many years ago, so we are very familiar with adversity. We've been married for a decade, four decades. We are very familiar with adversity, self-induced and otherwise. We're familiar with it. We're familiar with, with setbacks and temptations and stupid mistakes. We are familiar with that. But in January of this year, and we are in September, so I'm looking at nine months now. The, the, in January, the, it's like a cold wind of adversity started blowing across our family. And every member in our family has been affected in some way. Emily, who's my sister, my precious sister, passed on, and I've adopted Emily into, as one of my daughters, as she's been affected. I should have said, run while you still can, but I didn't. And, 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 but it's been, we're looking at nine months now, and, and I'm not unfamiliar with adversity. And yet, there's something different about January of 2023, and that the battle is still raging. And if you don't remember the source of life, the source of peace, I'll be looking around trying to find it from y'all. Now, I'm not saying we don't need friends. We do. We need the, our brothers and our sisters. We need that. But if, if I try to find my peace and my settledness in the midst of this, in another person, in a thing, in anything other than the one who said, I will go before you. I will walk behind you. I will be beside you. I will hem you in. If we try to find our source in another person, you're going to burn them out. You're going to be disappointed. They're going to be disappointed. It's going to be, it's going to be not pleasant. So the first thing I would say is, when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through adversity that doesn't seem to want to end, know the source. Remain in the source. Pay attention to where your source is coming from. Because Jesus said, I'll be like a river that keeps bubbling up inside you if you remain in me. Everything else trickles up and dies. But this is a continual fresh stream. Amen? I have no idea where I am in my notes. But I will say this one thing. 
when I'm studying and, and reading all the, the greats of the faith, I see a thread. And they're all, they've all faced difficulty. We, we think of Job, and of course we all know this famous expression, the patience of Job, that's never been said about me, and I, I understand that. It wouldn't be true if it were said about me. But Job, he, he, all these things happened to him. We're all very familiar with the story. And, and tragedy after tragedy after adversity after horrible events happening to him. And finally he said to whoever would listen, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't care what's happening around me. I care, but I, don't, I have no control over it. But I trust him. And if it comes to the place where God said, I'm going to strike you dead, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to trust him. Even Jesus, he said, Father, on the cross, he said, into your hands, I entrust myself. And that's what we have to do. We have to entrust ourselves to a God who loves us, cares about us, will never leave us, will never forsake us. Amen? Okay, so what's the second thing? Pay attention to your thoughts. Now, this is a tough one, right? The first one was focused on God. I mean, we can all focus on God. And, but now, we're, now I'm meddling because now it's something that we have to do. And you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, there's something that I talk about when I counsel people or just sit and chat with people. And a lot of women, a lot of men are, are plagued by, by, by their thought life, obsessive thoughts, troubling thoughts, fearful thoughts, all, all you name it, lustful thoughts, whatever. And one of the things that we talk about is you can't fight a thought with another thought. You have to fight that thought with a spoken word. And let me give you an example. This is a little rabbit trail here, but it goes along with my story, so just bear with me. Okay, here you see a newest member of our family. It came from Hope and Jesus, and we're babysitting her for the next few years until they can hopefully take her back one day. But she has wormed her way into my heart like a heartworm, so I'm not sure I'd even be able to give her back. But anyway... So this little puppy, it took me a long time. We've had her about three or four months now. And I kept saying to, to my husband, what's that dog's purpose? Because we never had animals like that. I'm like, what's their purpose? What's their purpose? And he's looking at me like I've grown a second head. Like, what do you mean, what's their purpose? But I've always just been children. I, I know the purpose with, you know, you're raising adults. And I know the purpose with church work. But what's the purpose of a puppy? I don't even know. I mean, that was really confusing to me. So I thought, I don't know what her purpose is. So I'm just going to take her alongside with me. So I read the scripture to her. I pray over her. I sing over It is the silly thing you've ever seen and that's the expression she gives me every time I do it she's just looking at me like I don't know but I I don't know here I am so last Saturday so I, when I say that we're going through adversity we're still going through it this isn't like okay last year 10 years ago no we're in the thick of it our entire family is in the thick of it so Saturday not yesterday a week ago uh, Pastor Mark was somewhere doing God's work I'm sure I don't know where he was but I had taken the dog outside, and I was letting her play and do what dogs do. And I had this thought that attached itself to me. It didn't originate in me. 
It wasn't my thought, but what the enemy, what the Bible calls a fiery dart. You remember the scripture that says fiery darts that come and you have to extinguish them? This thought was your next breath is going to be your last. And I remember thinking, well, that's weird. But I'd been feeling kind of odd all week anyway, just like really, really just odd. And so when that fiery dart thought came in my mind, I thought, hmm. And it came again. Your next breath is going to be your last. So I thought, you know what? If the next breath is going to be my last, I shouted. This little dog's just looking at me like I am insane. If this is my, and I'm outside and our neighbors, God love them. If this is my last breath, I'm going to praise God. The thought came one more time. Your next breath is your last breath. So I shouted again, even louder. If this is my last breath, it's going to be praising God. And it left. That oppression, that thing that was trying to settle on me. And please don't think I'm crazy because I'm not. (laughs) Well, depends on who you ask. But we are in a spiritual battle. And if you don't recognize that, you're, you're fighting without any weapons. You're fighting without any weapons. So when the thoughts come, thoughts that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, no one loves you, your children don't respect you, your wife hates you, whatever, speak out. Shout to the Lord. Don't let that thought take root in your heart. Speak it out. And this is why it's important to know Bible verses. You need to get the scripture and you need to start trying to memorize portions of it. Whatever you can do. Okay, let's get this little thing off there. (laughs) Pay attention. We'll close with this one. Pay attention to your words. Now, some of the adversity that you may be going through, that you are going through, might be from your own doing. And that's unfortunate. You know, sometimes we have to reap what we've sown. If we have sown unkind words, if we have sown unloving acts, lustful thoughts, uh, uh, pridefulness, stolen from someone. I mean, sometimes the adversity we are facing is the work of our own harvest. That's unfortunate. But the scripture tells us what to do when the adversity we're facing is due to our own actions. And that is confess it, repent of it, receive God's forgiveness, and move forward. Amen? You confess it to to him or to her or to your small group. You confess it. Well, you're not going to think I'm... It doesn't matter. What matters is you stay and remain in the vine. And you don't let anything come between you and your relationship with God and you and your relationship with other people. So you confess it. You repent. You receive his forgiveness and you move on. Now, the interesting thing is the Lord has instituted the law of reaping and sowing sowing and reaping. So if you have done something sinful, a sinful choice, a selfish choice, whatever... You are going to reap that harvest. You will. Confessing and forgiveness aside, you'll still be forgiven, but you you have sown seeds that will come up. Now, we just, I say we, it's always my husband doing the the physical work. He just finished tilling up the ground. 
So all of the all of the things from last summer from this summer's garden, all the weeds, all the corn stalks, all the half-eaten you know vegetables that the animals have done, all that has now been tilled. That we are no longer eating anything from the last harvest. And that's good for us because when, when we have to live out the, the fruit of our actions or eat the harvest of our actions, let me just encourage you, there will be an end to that harvest. There will be an end to you reaping that, that sinful choice that you have now forsaken and been forgiven for. But here's, the, here's my cautionary tale. The cautionary tale is that during that season when you're still harvesting the fruit of, of those that action or those words or that whatever, if you begin to start saying bitterness, bitter things, resentful things, angry things, whatever, you know how you do when you feel like you've been put, put out or you've been, you know you. If you are adding, sowing new seeds of gossip, Throwing new seeds of resentment. Throwing new seeds. Guess what's going to come up in 30, 60, 90, whatever days you're going to be reaping that. So my, my love words to you are, when you're going through adversity, whether it's self-inflicted or you're just saying, Lord, I don't know, but I trust you kind of thing. Watch your words. Don't add anything that's going to sow new seeds into the ground because you will. The Bible says in Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. And I love that for when I pay my tithe. I'm going to reap because I'm sowing. I'm sowing bountifully. I'm going to reap bountifully. But it also works when I've sown fearful thoughts. When I've sown words that were unkind and unloving. I will read those back as well. So pay attention to your words. Last verse. This is the favorite verse that everybody memorizes right here. Every branch that bears fruit, the Father prunes. Woo-hoo! I don't like this verse, but I like what this verse does in me. Because even though what our family is walking through. And it's, it's so many different things. It's not just one thing. I'll just give you one example. Pastor Peter might not like this, but in February, uh, the, the, the mentors and the people that we have that, that help us with our financing for the building and, and the wisdom that's there, they had said, you know what? We really need to put a pause on the building program for right now. We just, we're not, we're not, it's not going anywhere. We're still going to build the building, but we need to hit pause. And that is a huge, that was a huge obstacle because those of us that have been going forward for the last four years, it's like, Arr! but you know what? Our source isn't the building. Our source is God. God's still going to move through us. God's still going to do what he wants to do through us if we remain in the vine. So pruning, when we, when we feel like we're getting pruned, it feels like you're being punished. God, why is this happening to me? What did I do that, that I, have I angered you? Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is meant to strengthen you. Pruning is meant for you to produce better fruit and juicier fruit and more plentiful fruit. It doesn't feel like it when it's happening. But I will say there is a strength that has come to me in the last nine months. 
that I didn't have in 2022. There was a resolve in my spirit that I will not turn loose of God. This church will not turn loose of God. My family will not turn loose of God that I didn't have in 2022. I had resolve. I had purpose. But not until I've had nine months of adversity. Uh, would you stand with me, please? Please, please. This is... this. I apologize for this picture. If you're in a pastor's family, you will know everything is on, everything is fair game for a sermon illustration. I mean, it can be anything. Embarrassing, things you wish you'd never seen or heard. It's, it's used for a sermon illustration. So a picture that Aslan unsuspectingly took of us praying at family night has now been broadcast. <laughs> and so I, I ask for forgiveness now while, while I have witnesses. But, um, this is, this is not the end of our season, but this was, this is what we do. This is what we do. The enemy has a scheme against your family like he's got a scheme against mine. My family is not special. He's got a scheme against you too and your family and the purposes that God has for your family. And this needs to be part of what you're doing when you gather together. I want you to send me pictures of your families praying together. I would love to pray with you and your family. I would love that. And no, this isn't an Instagram picture. We still have a bowl there on the couch and somebody opened up a present. And, the, you know, it, it's just, it just, it is what it is. But it symbolizes and it shows our determination that during this time, we will serve God. He is worthy of all of our praise. And it doesn't matter what is happening. We are going to remain in the vine. Amen. And you need that same resolve for your family. Pay attention to the source. Pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to your words. And remain in the vine. Now, lest you think I'm, I'm, I want us to be fitted for angel wings or halos or something like that. Most family nights do not look like this. Most family nights, we're just trying to keep the grandkids alive. In the last two weeks... We've had pygmy, a pygmy rattlesnake on our property. Levi has tripped over the dog and fallen into fire ants. We have a rooster that stuck his head through the, the chicken thing and a raccoon literally pulled his head off of his body and is laying there. I mean, we, this is not a normal family night. Our normal family nights are just keep everybody alive. Just keep everybody alive. But then there are those times that you feel like God needs you to pray in earnest together. So that assignment that's against your family is canceled and you're pushing against it. Remain in the vine and trust God. Don't let the circumstances that you're going through, the difficulty you're going through, the adversity you're going through, don't let it cause you to curse God. Cause you to remain and trust God all the more. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Peter to come up and, and pray. And let me just say, if you have been going through adversity. And I don't just mean like whether we had a bump in the road, but I mean relentless onslaught, thing after thing, child after child, marriage after marriage. If you feel like it is an onslaught, please come forward. We've got, we've got small group leaders and healing team and people that will pray. But we are in this together. We are committed to walking in the purpose of God together. Let's all remain snuggled into the vine amen good stuff now that you've got a headless chicken stuck in your head 
If you'd like prayer, we want to invite you forward for prayer right now to just pray encouragement, words of encouragement. Words have power, right? Words create worlds. Words create worlds. So I'm going to invite uh, my pastors, my ministry team uh, leaders, uh, the, uh, the go team leaders, uh, wh whoever you are, come on forward because you're going to pray for people. But if you want prayer, why don't you just come forward right now? And we would love to pray for you, to encourage you. What we're going to do right at this moment is I will just lead us in a <clears throat> corporate prayer over all of us. But what we'll do is at that, that, at that point, we'll end it. I'll hand it back to uh, our, our host here today. And then you stay around just a little bit longer. The rest of you, you can mill around and hang out. But you stay around a little bit longer if you want to be prayed for. Because we don't want you to leave without just laying on hands, encouragement from the, the Father's heart, and just really seeing you filled with the Spirit of God. So let's, let's start off with this prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you, when you said in your word 11 times, that ask and you shall receive, that we trust that you're not a lying God, you're not a liar, but you're a God who speaks the truth. You're a good Father, and we trust that when we do ask, how it will be answered, when it will be answered, we don't get to decide what that is, but we get to believe that you are a good father. And we have our responsibility to just ask. So we're asking for courage. We're asking for encouragement. We're asking for your spirit to fill us up. We're asking for individual prayers of, can you remove this fear from me? Can you re remove this thorn and this pain in our, in our side? Can you help us in this particular area? And I pray, Father, that as we ask you, that you would help us to receive every good gift that you've got to give to us in faith so that we can see the manifestation of the fruit, that we're not just constantly living in a pruning stage, but we're literally going to see the fruit come to pass in our lives that will then feed those that are around us too. We ask this in your precious Son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.